Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got two hours to cover everything for you here. We got the latest in the NBA. We'll have our fantasy standouts, give you a little bit of the preview of the weekend. And of course, follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid at Craig Mish at Joe Pizzapia17. And, and for the first time, I think in a couple of months, Joe, it seems like the baseball hot stove is heating up. Over the last week, we've had Springer, we've had JT Real Muto. Maybe we're going to have a big trade go down between the Rockies and Cardinals, potentially. We have the Cubs spending money. Wow, how did that happen? And the uh, St. Louis Cardinals are bringing back one of the best players ever. So a lot to get to here on the show. I feel like this is the way it should be with the hot stove for two months. But we had to wait till January to get this thing done. Yeah, it definitely came at the right time. I think the National League Central heard us mocking them on yesterday's show because you know all the big gms watch the fantasy sports today on the network everybody knows that who's anybody and they heard us making fun what are you spending three million dollars collectively between all these teams well guess what the cubs went out and did a little something cardinals did a little something maybe the cardinals have a little bit more up their sleeve we'll find out but uh yeah a little bit of activity never hurt and certainly the right time too as football is basically here at the very very end we got a week of props and super bowl fun next week but really it is supposed to be baseball season, and it's starting to feel like that, too. And let's not forget Marcus Simeon, too. Blue Jays very active. And I think that's been kind of the, the story of the month for me for baseball is watching the Blue Jays and wondering, are they done? Or do they have one more move potentially up their sleeve before we kick things off here in the season? Yeah, and I think that other teams will still get involved. I think we still have about 60% or 50% of the free agents that are still out there right now. So we'll keep an eye on it as we go. Let's get to our headlines here on the show on this Friday, our final Friday in January 2021. Adam Wainwright, last night, it is official, signs a one-year deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. So he comes back for a 17th season with them. Uh, One of the TV stations in St. Louis actually reported that he signed with the Blues. So today, Wainwright put all his hockey gear on, and he's been running around hitting hockey sticks. He said, I'm going to really try as hard as I can. I I feel like a rookie all over. Here. Very funny stuff here from Adam Wainwright. He has a good personality there. But, uh, hey, the Chicago Cubs, uh, more perplexing moves for them. They could have had Kyle Schwarber, but no, they chose Jock Peterson. Okay, sounds good to me. Uh, one-year deal, $7 million. Make no mistake about it. This is a flip at the trade deadline. I don't see it any other way than this. A report yesterday coming from the Los Angeles Times saying the Angels are out on free agent Trevor Bauer. We know a lot of rumors are out there. Can't always believe everything, but Bauer's market seems to be shrinking, not growing. Uh, AD sat last night. Lakers lose back-to-back games. Of course, they lost a couple of nights ago by just a point. No big deal for them. And great news for Ron Rivera as his family announced that the the coach is cancer-free. We've also seen Ron Rivera's former team, the Carolina Panthers, have some rumors floated potentially about Deshaun Watson 
again, we'll do Watson updates every day on the show all the way through April is a guest. But the other story that seems to be percolating, The Athletic and Ken Rosenthal reported last night that the St. Louis Cardinals, Joe, are potentially talking about a deal to acquire third baseman Nolan Arenado. You and I have talked about this quite a bit over the last mm-hmm. year or so, talking baseball and talking fantasy baseball. Uh, look, this this is really makes a lot of sense when you think about it. I know that there could be better destinations for Arenado out there, but the Cardinals have had a really hard time signing free agents outside of St. Louis. They've had no issue extending their own guys. We've seen that through the past but seeing, you know, players don't always gravitate for whatever it is to St. Louis. I've never understood that, but they go other places. This would be something very interesting. You'd put Arenado at third base. That is the franchise-type guy. You got Goldschmidt at first, and you talk about a move that would change the NL Central. I think, Joe, if they're able to pull this off, could make them the favorite in the division. Oh, I think they would be. Uh, I absolutely think they would be. He brings an incredible glove, incredible bat. Incredible guy there. Pair him with Goldschmidt. That's tremendous. And there's a big weakness right now in that division. Milwaukee's still going to try to be competitive, but the Cubs and Pirates are not. The Reds, I have no idea what they're doing. I don't know if the Reds know what the Reds are doing. And everybody kind of thought that last year was a foregone conclusion that Narinata would get dealt, and then COVID happened, and obviously those deals fell apart, whether it be with Texas, whether it be with St. Louis. But if indeed this job is, is done here and we get this trade, that would be an incredible seismic shift here in the division for sure. And I think if you're a Cardinals fan right now, you'd be very excited about this. Look, Arenado's been one of the most consistent players. Yes, there's always a little bit of risk taking a player out of cores, but we've seen some players leave cores like, oh, I don't know, that guy in New York who plays second base who's done pretty well outside of Coors Field, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But I'm sure the pitching staff would love this move. Uh, I think offensively and in terms of protection in the lineup for Goldschmidt, he would love this move. And I think it will be a fantastic situation. Now, there's some fallout too, potentially, because in my mind, the minute you move Nolan Arenado, the stock of Brendan Rodgers rises dramatically. You would think that Trevor Story would be the guy that gets extended and they kind of build around Trevor Story in the future in Colorado. But that opens up an infield spot there for Brendan Rodgers, who I think is ready to get a long look at the big league level. And I think that would be a stock on the rise for sure. Going back to some other moves too, this Jock Peterson signing, yeah, offensively, kind of the same guy as Kyle Schwarber, but defensively, I think a huge upgrade there for them and certainly helps them in the outfield. Also, that has some ripple effects in that Dodger lineup too. Opens up some at-bats for some guys we're going to talk about later on in the show. So you want to stick around for that. And Adam Wainwright, I mean, he pitched pretty well last year. The FIP was a whole yeah. run higher than the ERA, which makes me nervous. But, hey, 39-year-old Adam Wainwright still going. you got to give him credit, and I'm glad he ended back up with the Cardinals after all. Yeah, very charitable guy, too. I'm a big fan yeah. of Adam Wainwright. Uh, actually, the Cubs, the Cubs fans are sort of ripping this move today. I, I guess, as it turns out, I was not aware of this, but Jock Peterson's defense is just like basically a tick above Schwarber. I, I didn't know that, Metric but that's what they're saying today, and they could have basically kept a better hitter. I, look, I, I don't know that to be true, but the way I view this is they get a guy that they can trade at the deadline. Uh, no, no more, no less. Our fantasy standouts in the NBA are coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. time for our fantasy standouts from the NBA on this Friday. We'll also give you a little bit of a preview of the weekend. Our producer, Brett Levy, is going to weigh in on some things that are happening around the league. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. Let's take a look at the fantasy standouts from Thursday night. Dame Lillard of the Blazers, 30 points, 4 rebounds, 9 assists. Victor Oladipo could be a short-timer in Houston, but a great game yesterday. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steals, and 1 block. Christian Wood returned from missing a couple of games. Thank goodness. 22 points, 12 rebounds, one assist, one block. I think he had 21 in the third. I was monitoring that. Blake Griffin, we don't see him very often. 23 points, three rebounds, six assists. And uh, LeBron, 22, 7, and 10, and uh, and a steal in a loss there. Uh, Brett, uh, Victor Oladipo uh, is is another name that's being talked about being in a sh- in a place for a very short period of time. Do you anticipate him being somewhere else, and what would that mean fantasy-wise for his team if he leaves? Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, Craig. He was an all-star, I want to say two years ago. Uh, He was a little beat up last year, a few injury issues, but he's a great piece. Uh, Houston just traded for him. I'm not sure if there's added like restrictions or some restrictions were lifted, but generally you have to wait a few days, a certain amount of days to be traded again. So it might be an off-season move potentially, but... Uh, him and Christian Wood and John Wall have been playing pretty well. They've strung together a few wins. Uh, yeah. DeMarcus Cousins was playing well when Christian Wood mm-hmm. wasn't in. So maybe they've found a little group that can found a little chemistry and can get a little something done. Brett, before we get to some of the West Coast standouts from last night, I want to talk to you about the Golden State Warriors. A couple nights ago, James Weissman leads the team in scoring 25 points off the bench. Incredible night for him. They get a W. Last night, he's just 2-9 and nine from the floor, and they get tacked with a loss. Is it crazy to think that right now kind of the trajectory of the Golden State Warriors basically hinges on this rookie center? Is that kind of a hot take, or is that kind of the truth right now, how you've seen the Warriors play so far? I think it's a little bit of a hot take. Uh, Kelly Oubre didn't play well last night either. I might have it wrong, but I think he was one of 11 from the field, which is not, not very good. Not so good You're going to need more from that. Yeah, you're going to need more from the small forward you acquired this offseason. So uh, there, there's a lot of ups and downs with this team. But, yeah, I think to your point, Joe, if Wiseman's playing well and gives Steph a true second scoring option, then this team 
has the ability to w- compete with anyone. And if, you know, like you said, he's playing poor like last night, well, then, uh, you know, Frank Kaminsky is going to come off the bench and torch you. So uh, it's just, it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be rookie growing pains. Anthony Edwards has had some rookie growing pains as well, mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball. So it's not just Wiseman, it's all these guys. And I think that's just part of being a rookie in the NBA. Well, Brett, it wasn't part of it last year, the year before. We saw some really unbelievable rookies, Zion Williamson, John Morant, and some others for sure, and a couple years ago, Trey Young. But yes, this class, it's very evident, is not like the others for sure. Uh, Our fantasy standouts, let's continue with this. Uh, The Heat lose again, and we're going to dive into this here a little bit. 16-13 from Bam Adebayo, also seven assists. This guy's game just keeps getting better. Tyler Hero, 19-10, five assists, one steal. Jimmy Butler just keeps missing games. Frank Kaminsky, as uh, Brett mentioned, 12, 13, 8 assists and a steal off the bench. Uh, Bridges had 20 points, one rebound, five assists, two steals, and one block. And then Steph had 27 for the Warriors last night, four rebounds and four assists. Last year, Brett, when the Heat got to the championship, it was very unexpected. Even here in South Florida, it was kind of out of nowhere. And then we sort of thought, even after they beat the Lakers in game one, maybe they even had a shot. And then, of course, L.A. uh, wiped them out. This has more or less been the same Heat team that's come back, Brett, but they've had some major issues getting guys on the floor for COVID and other reasons, and one of them clearly has been Jimmy Butler. I think he's missed almost two weeks here. But do you think that the Heat situation was kind of a one-and-done where, I don't want to say they got lucky because they definitely played great, but there was some sentiment that because of the way that the Heat play, where they're very tight-knit and they always use this Heat culture thing, that because they went into the bubble, they stayed there and they didn't mess around, and the guys worked harder than maybe some of the other teams. I I don't know if that is the case, but I got to tell you, when you have one of the worst records in the NBA after going to the finals, there's got to be a reason for that. (laughs) Well, I definitely believe in heat culture. I'll say that for sure. Uh, There's a long track record of guys going to Miami and figuring it out, and uh, Hassan Whiteside, you know, Goran Dragic revitalizing his career there. So, uh, I definitely buy into the heat culture, but I do, th- I wouldn't say one and done. I do think it was a little, they overachieved a little bit last year. I don't think anyone thought they were the best or second best team in the East, but they played really well in the bubble. Like you said, they had two all-stars out of bio and Jimmy Butler and a great barrage of shooters uh, from Harrow and Duncan Robinson was setting all kinds of records. So uh, you know, they got hot. That's what it takes to win a championship also. So I think they're talented. I don't think they're as talented as the Sixers. I don't think they're as talented as the Celtics, but uh, they're a good team, Craig, and they can compete when Butler's on the court. Um, that'll be a big piece. Hopefully he'll be back this week, and I've seen some rumors about that, maybe Saturday. Brett, tonight on FanDuel, obviously Brooklyn's going to be very popular, uh, that stack of the big three against Oklahoma. Uh, But I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some value on the slate tonight. I want to talk about the Orlando Magic, if I could, for a second. They're going to be taking on the Clippers tonight. And when you look at the salaries of guys like Aaron Gordon, uh, Cole Anthony, Fournier, they're all 6,300 and below. Do you think that is a value stack tonight where it allows you to kind of buy up for some of the guys like Giannis tonight, like some of the guys in Brooklyn and kind of pay up there? Is Orlando viable stack in your mind to kind of, you know, basically get some more star power in your lineup? Yeah, I think certain players for sure. Like I like Vucevic uh, almost any night, especially being in the East. Sometimes he has a little bit easier matchups. Like 
not necessarily against going up against Joel Embiid, but, you know, the East isn't this dominant force that we see in the West night in and night out. <laughs> so I I think no, you, uh, Vucevic, excuse me, is always a play. Uh, I think Cole Anthony, since the Markel Fultz injury, his minutes have gone up. He's shown he can con- contribute on certain nights. So if you like the matchup, I think he's absolutely uh, valuable because he can allow you to spend up at other positions um, without having to go to like the bottom of the point guard right. uh, group. Brett, this weekend, uh, you know, some good games on tap, and Joe just mentioned one of them tonight. What are you looking for this weekend in the NBA? Well, yeah, there's 10 games tonight, Craig, so there's tons of good basketball. Um, the game that I'm most interested in tonight, probably going to be this Bucks pelicans game, Zion and Giannis. I mean, that's superstars right there. Who's not going to want to watch that? Yeah, no, for sure. I think there's no doubt. All right, Brett. Well, thank you once again for uh, sharing the knowledge here in the NBA. Of course, we'll be right back here again on Monday uh, with some more NBA fantasy standouts. And you can watch us every day, noon to 2 Eastern, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks again, Brett. Of course. All right, Joe. Well, uh, before we get back to some baseball here, uh, I know that this weekend, of course, we got NBA going on. This is our first weekend without any college or pro football since I guess it was late, late August. So what, yeah. what, what is, what is, your, what is your Sunday going to be? What, what are you going to do? Well, uh, I know you're not going to want to talk about this, but I could do a whole segment. It's wrestling? the Royal Rumble. The wrestling event? It's the Royal Rumble Sunday, not just any oh, there you go. Event, but one of the best, if not arguably the best wrestling event that's out there. Royal Rumble is like a holiday in the Pisa Pia house. So we're going to have, I'm doing all the uh, the snacks for the kids. I said, look, we'll, we'll do like the pretzel bites and the things like that. And the nachos will make it feel like we're there at the Rumble since we can't go anywhere. And right. uh, we've even got some uh, we got some shares in the Royal Rumble, too. A friend of mine, uh, our friend actually of the show, Nate Bush, puts together a, a thing every year where out of a hat, you draw numbers and that's your number. If that person wins, well, guess what? You win the pool. So there's a little bit of action on the Rumble as well this right. year. So that should be very entertaining. All right. And and what's the main event? What's the what's the main thing? Uh well, you're gonna get Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens, which would be great. And then unfortunately okay. stupid Goldberg back again for a match with Drew McIntyre, wow. which like oh terrible. Terrible. Over Goldberg, under two minutes, again. take the under. All right, Yankees got the hot stove going. We'll hear from Kluber and LeMayhew next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To fantasy sports today in case you missed andrew erickson on the show yesterday recapping the 2020 fantasy football season uh andrew will have for you coming up in about 10 minutes from now if baseball is your thing you've come to the right place because it's time for us to talk a little bit about what the yankees have done over the last week now again when players get signed in major league baseball there's sometimes a delay in terms of the announcements and the reason for that is because players have to pass their physical and then also usually if the 40-man rosters are filled Teams are trying to trade a player from the 40-man roster before they have to DFA them, which is designated for assignment. So whenever you hear a player signed and you wonder why sometimes it takes a week, it's kind of what's going on. Roster movement, physicals, that's what happened with Corey Kluber. It's also what happened with DJ LeMahieu. But Kluber ends up getting his one-year deal with the Yankees. Of course, the last two years have not gone particularly well from him. But previously, Kluber, you could say, was the ultimate workhorse at the top of the rotation of among all teams in the American League and was asked if he is going to try to be that workhorse yet again for the New York Yankees. Yeah, you know what? I, I never had a goal of pitching 200 innings or making every start or anything like that. I think that those were um, those seasons that where that might have happened. Those were results of, you know, a day-to-day process of preparing myself for, you know, the upcoming start and getting my work in, doing it um, with diligence, that kind of stuff. And I think that put me in a position to, to, get to those points. Um, but like I said, it was never a goal. I don't think it's a goal of mine now. I think that, you know, um, different stuff arises every year. So I think if you're, if you're trying to pinpoint yourself to, to those types of things, it, it's sort of out of your control. Um, but I do think that I, you know, expect myself to be consistent, be reliable. Like you said, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the expectation that I have for myself. Um, I guess the expectation the team has for me, that's, you know, I think we aligned on that. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think it's, it's the day-to-day process that allows those things to kind of fall in place. Corey Kluber, no beard. Now being with the New York Yankees, that's got to go. That was the one takeaway that I know a lot of people had from that yesterday for sure. And, and let's be honest, Corey Kluber uh, last year pitched one game and two years ago uh, was hit in a uh, line drive in Miami, I was at the game and it put him out for the year. But even before that, it was not the same Corey Kluber. But before we get into 2021, we got to take a look back here at 2017 and 2018, because people are going to forget this. And it wasn't that long ago that Corey Kluber was arguably the best pitcher in the American League. 2017, Joe, 203 innings, 265 strikeouts and a whip under one. 2018, 215 innings, 222 strikeouts. 2.89 earned average and a whip under one. I can't possibly think that he will come close to those numbers again because track record of the last two years tells you it won't. But it is rare to see a pitcher who is not 38 sort of fall off the way that Kluber did. He says he's 100% healthy. He threw for a lot of teams. He got himself a pretty good one-year deal I got to feel like there's going to be somebody back in on him in fantasy this year and take that chance. I don't know if it's going to be me, 
Because when you go from zero innings and 60 innings or 70 innings, you don't go back to 200 in general. Uh, I know that you were in on him at some point. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. So where mm-hmm. are you going to be this year? Well, I'm always in on Corey Kluber, and I was very much in on him last year. You know, one year show me deal kind of situation, right? Let's let's get out there again, the free agent market, last year of the contract. And I thought I'd be out this year, yeah, because last year was very disappointing. And then the Yankees came onto town and signed Corey Kluber, and the Yankees have their designs on competing. This isn't, well, let's see what happens, and if it doesn't work out, you know, maybe we'll flip him. Some team might need a, another starter or be desperate or something like that. This is the Yankees. Right. The Yankees signing him does make an impact because it's telling me that the Yankee scouting department is saying, well, Masahiro Tanaka is gone. Severino is coming back for injury. We believe that Corey Kluber is a piece of this rotation right now. And that is huge because you know he's going to get run support. You know he's going to have a good defensive team around him. You know he's going to have a great bullpen behind him. So even if he's not the Corey Kluber of old, that's okay. He could still be very useful. Look, I just took him in that first mock of the season we just talked about last week on the program with Steve mm-hmm. Gardner. I took him in the very last, the second to last round. That's where he was. I think it was like mm-hmm. in the 19th round or something crazy like that. And I was like, well, was okay. Was that before you signed the or after? No, was it was before after. or after? It was after. It was after. And, and I think it's going to go up. There will be a premium like every Yankee. The word elite gets thrown around far too much in sports. But Corey Kluber has two Cy Youngs. Corey Kluber had five straight 200-inning seasons. Five straight 200-inning seasons. Corey Kluber around those five seasons had an ERA under three, three times. So Corey Kluber was elite. He doesn't have to be elite again. If he could just be very good, he's going to be an incredible return on investment in drafts. And once again, I'm going to reiterate, because he signed with the Yankees, a team that has their designs on the playoffs, I don't think they're making this kind of signing with that kind of money to just speculate. I think they're relying on him. There's something that they see that they feel confident about. And I think in turn, fantasy ownership pay attention to that and go back to that well. And I was one of these guys going, I can't do it again with Kluber, but you know what? I'm going to do it one more time with Kluber this year. One year show me deal with the Yankees. Sign me up. If it gets too high in ADP, if he starts to rise, then okay, we can have that conversation. But right now he's a free square. And how many free squares can give you potentially 200 innings, even 175 innings would be amazing. And even if they're somewhere around, I don't know, like a 3.8 ERA, that's a really good investment. Yeah, I'm still not sure at all that he'll be viable. But the one thing baseball-wise that I like is the fact that he signed immediately after his session throwing for teams. Yes. Sometimes that happens and you wait and it's a week, it's 10 days, it gets, but it happened right away. So it makes me think that of course if anybody that signs there's always another team interested i don't know who that other team was i think toronto was reported as possibly but uh, <laughs> toronto's look, reported uh, for everything I mean, toronto's they were reported the, for they were reported for yeah, i thought they were going to get james harden yeah i thought they were going to get they're, they're in on every deal yeah <laughs> all right well uh, dj lemayhu they were in on him too and dj lemayhu ended up signing a four-year contract with the new york yankees uh, according to lemayhu it took longer than he wanted it to. It was a little bit difficult and more frustrating than he thought it would be. But here we are at the end of January and he's back to play second base with them again. Yeah, like I said, it was a little frustrating at times. Um, you know, I just think the whole free agent market in general was just slow and, you know, coming up a couple of weird years with COVID and um, when I, with everything, you just no one really knew what to expect with the free agents. And, um, you know, for me, baseball is not a business. I know it is, it's not, but when it turns into a business, it's, it's a, uh, you know, not always fun and, and, um, you know, sometimes frustrating. So, um, but you know, it was, it, it, you know, I I had to explore other options, but deep down I wanted to be Yankee. I wanted to be back with this group and, um, you know, couldn't be more excited. 
All right, taking a look at LeMahieu's uh, numbers from 2020, uh, 364 batting average, 10 home runs, 27 runs driven in, uh, on-base percentage and OPS were just fantastic for DJ LeMahieu last year, Joe. Uh, look, it's just a perfect spot for him in New York, and he's been great for them. I know that the contract he got is a little bit long in length, but I think that most of that is just to save uh, on the, the luxury tax, which has really become a de facto salary cap, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um we can also take a look, uh, Joe. By the way, and and get some opinion on the uh, on the AL East. But first, let's do uh, let's do Lemayhew real quick. The takeaway for him with you this season, and then I want to look at the odds on Fanduel. It's another guy that I drafted in that first mock uh, in the third round. And as Steve said to me after, he said, "If you didn't take him, I was taking him two picks later." And it's because the position isn't very good. And DJ LeMahieu was a rock for the Yankees last year. He was a rock for the Yankees the year before. There's been a ton of volatility with the Yankee lineup over the last few years with the injuries to Stanton, the injuries uh, to obviously Aaron Judge. And of course, let's not forget it, Labor mm-hmm. Torres dealt with some injuries last year also. Gary Sanchez was not very good uh, the last two years. So DJ LeMahieu has been a very steady presence and it is smart. It's a, it's a good investment by the Yankees. But the Yankees wanted to play a little game, see if they can get it down. And, and, and I think obviously you're right. You know, the extension of the years is more just to stretch out that annual value of the contract, which is perfectly fine. I mean, that, if that's what you want to do, okay. But DJ LeMahieu, I think, was a very smart return to the Yankees for both sides. And I think it's going to have a big impact. They need those kind of guys. They need Torres to bounce back. They need Hicks to come back and play healthy. And look, they just need one of Judge or Stanton. I don't think you need both of them. But just get one of them for 145 games, and I think you're golden. That's a big if, though. And that's unfortunate. But that's where we are right now. Let's take a look at the odds over on FanDuel. And in, and and by the way, I want to mention this uh, in terms of the Yankees. You're going to see their number here at minus 180. You should never be intimidated by seeing the Yankees as the favorite in the East. They're the favorite every year. So mm-hmm. you're paying a tax on this. So just because you see minus 180, you should not feel bad about taking another team in the division because it's not going to happen for the Yankees every year. They can still make the postseason and not win the division. So there's no value on New York at all. Question is, any other value on the Blue Jays? Rays at plus 380, Blue Jays, as I mentioned, plus 360. Red Sox are a little bit of a long shot. We know the Orioles are playing for the future here. And then, you know, even though they're 50 to 1 here, there's no <laughs> value at all in, in taking them. And I, I do think they're headed in the right direction, but this is not going to be, they're not going to come close. So, uh, Yankees, uh, I'm going to eliminate them from the conversation, Joe. That's no fun. Blue Jays, Rays, Red Sox. It's very difficult sometimes to make a case for eliminating the favorite. But I think there's a very simple case for eliminating the Yankees anyway, which is the health I was just talking about of Stanton and Judge, which is annually a problem. And the question marks in that rotation after Garrett Cole, every single pitcher in that rotation is a question mark. Kluber's a question mark. Sure, it could go out well. Severino's a question mark. Uh, Tyon, clearly a question mark. I mean, the young kids after this, the Garcias and Schmitz of the world and Kings of the world, there's a ton of question marks there. The, The aggressiveness, I think, of the Blue Jays is something to really pay attention to. I know you're going to tell me the Rays again. I'm just, look, you lose Snell and Morton, that's a lot to lose. I understand they're going to find a way. They're always going to be competitive. They're the Rays. But I think the best wager on this board, in my opinion, is the Blue Jays because you know they're not going to stop here. If they're playing well, they'll acquire more people. And they have the the prospects to do it. And I think that's something you also have to look at. The Rays do too, but the Rays don't like to move prospects. The Blue Jays, they'll be willing to mortgage the future to win now. Yeah, always a tax on the Yankees. Probably realistically, mm-hmm. their numbers should be about minus 130, minus 140. But if it was, all the money would be on the Yankees on FanDuel. Got to make sure that it's not. 
All right, Andrew Erickson joins us next with Boston Football. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And it's Thursday, and that means pro football focus. Get some focus here on the program with our good pal Andrew Erickson. Andrew, you have been with us all season. We're here at the end. The Super Bowl is only weeks away now, actually days more accurately. And you and I are both Patriot fans. So our boy Tom Brady, still alive, going to another Super Bowl. I can only ask you one thing, Andrew. How did this happen? How did we get here? And can anyone stop Tom Brady? Well, if you go to PFF.com, I wrote an article about Tom Brady specifically and how he went from washed-up quarterback to Super Bowl 55 on his way to his seventh Super Bowl ring. I have to hesitate every time I say that because I'm I'm not sure. Is it, wait, is it six? Is it eight? Is it seven? What, what number? I, I'm, I'm starting to lose track, and that just kind of goes to show how many Super Bowls this guy has been to. But it's really been the adaptation of Tom Brady into this Bruce Arians offense and the spiel going into the season was Brady can't throw deep. And really that was never the case. You know, you look at his numbers, some of his advanced metrics last year, he was actually one of the more efficient quarterbacks throwing deep. The offense in new England just didn't call for him to do it. They didn't have the offensive personnel to do it. His best receiver, the past two seasons in new England was James white, a running back. So in those situations, you're going to, elect to check down to the running back position as opposed to throwing deep to receivers that more often than not are going not going to be open or not going to be coming down with the football. So that's why we saw the change. And I think Brady kind of knew it. He's like, I can throw deep. I, I can thrive in this Bruce Arians offense. And that's exactly what we've seen. He's number one, basically in every deep category in terms of passing yards, deep passing touchdowns, second in deep ball rate. And the thing that's most important that different that makes him different from every other quarterback in this Bruce Arian system is he's not turning the ball over. You know, right. every other quarterback that has first year under Arians, whether it's Andrew Luck, Winston, Carson Palmer, they've all had seasons with over 40 turnover worthy plays. Tom Brady has 17 this season wow. and actually and actually leads the league in the lowest turnover rate per, percent. So he takes care of the football. So basically 
in the uh, no risk it, no biscuit philosophy, it's actually no risk it, all biscuit for Tom Brady, Bruce Arians. That is that is stunning, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if you go back just two years ago and you watch Winston play, obviously great for fantasy, 5,000 yards passing, but so many mistakes, so many interceptions, because that's the nature of this aggressive Bruce Arian system. Do you think that the Patriots have any, um, I don't know, regrets, remorse, however you want to put it, watching Tom Brady go to another Super Bowl? I understand that at a certain point you have to turn the page, right? I mean, you have to look forward as an organization – and that's the one thing the Pats have always done a very good job of historically. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. They want to pay you for what you're going to do. And at some point in time, I think, eventually Tom Brady will stop playing football and stop going to Super Bowls. I don't know when that is. It's not going to be this year, we know. But it seemed like the right move at the time. I still think it is. But do you think they're looking at it now of, well, we did a bad job here of not really being aggressive enough and giving Tom Brady the weapons he wanted. I know they tried the Antonio Brown experiment. That did not work. But in the draft, they whiffed on Nikhil Harry. They didn't really go after any playmakers on offense and free agency the last two years. You know, little pieces and patches like guys like Mohamed Sanu, that's not going to make the difference that Brady was asking for. Do you think now looking back on it that the Patriots probably think, man, we really should have done that instead and kept Brady for another couple of years and made one more run? Looking at his numbers from 2019, I don't think that you can necessarily blame Bill Belichick for deciding to move on because 2019 was arguably one of Brady's worst seasons ever in mm -hmm. terms of statistically, sure. in terms of all the advanced passing metrics. So if you're Bill Belichick and you have this 43-year-old quarterback that is now has an expiring contract coming off his worst statistical season, like what are you supposed to do? Oh, we got to fire him up and get another two-year deal for a quarterback that we don't know is his declining the last two seasons. We're confused at what we're doing at the receiver position. And they tried. They tried with Josh Gord, with Antonio Brown, even Stephon Diggs, they tried to get into the building. But ultimately, they failed. And that's what was kind of the ticking with Tom Brady. He was like, look, guys, like you did your best to try to get me weapons, and it's not working out. So see ya. I'm going to go to Tampa Bay where there is weapons already established and a, a culture of talent that I can thrive in. Because right now, the offense around him was actually holding Tom Brady back. I don't think it was Tom Brady that was really derailing the Patriots offense uh, the last two seasons. Yeah, it's it's just it's stunning, though, to see what he's done this year. And it still feels like they're a work in progress, which is unbelievable. Like they, they still had some hiccups and issues in the second half of that game. And yet here they are in the Super Bowl. It's unbelievable. And, you know, maybe next week we'll talk a little bit more Mahomes and Chiefs. But I want to be a little Tom Brady centric because it was just an incredible <laughs> story. But let's continue on with the quarterbacks, too. Uh, we've had some changes for the Eagles, obviously. We've had Doug Peterson out. We have Nick Sirianni in. Also, they just hired an uh, offensive coordinator this week, Brian Johnson from Florida. And, you know, this is a guy who actually has ties with Jalen Hurts all the way back to high school days. But he also has ties that you can also point to and say he's fixed other quarterbacks. He's a guy who's helped Dak Prescott get back on track and things like that. So in your opinion, do you think that it's more likely, say, Carson Wentz, ends up somewhere else like Indianapolis back with Frank Reich, a team that has some cap space, a team that has a phenomenal offensive line. And we see what a difference that made for Philip Rivers year over year to put him with a terrible offensive line with the Chargers and then drop him in with the Colts and a good offensive line. And he gets all the way into the playoffs and look pretty good in that playoff game. Is that the fate for Carson Wentz? Is it better for the Eagles just to continue to just peel back layer after layer and start fresh? Or do you think they're going to try and get Carson Wentz right and keep Jalen Hurts just on call? To me, it feels more like the former. Like, you got to try to just move on from everything and start fresh. It's the best thing you can do for a new head coach. Where do you think things fall for Carson Wentz? I do think they're going to try to fix Carson Wentz because when you look at it right now, they try to trade him. This is 
kind of like you're you're selling low essentially on True. a quarterback that got benched. You know, Jalen Hurts played a little bit, you know, flashed a little bit here and there. So you're selling a a low asset, so you're not your return isn't. I mean, you're going to get more now. Matthew Stafford is going to get more return than Carson Wentz is, and you know, saying that you know based on the age of them and how Stafford played last year versus Wentz, you'd think that they'd probably be relatively close to each other in terms of trade value. But you know, I've heard first round picks for Matthew Stafford, top ten picks. You know, Denver's number nine pick for Stafford, straight up. Okay, that's that's not going to be Carson Wentz. Like no one's trading a top ten pick for Carson Wentz, despite the fact right. that he's significantly younger. And, you know, has arguably had a, a similar type of ceiling. You know, he's had an MVP season before. You know, Stafford has played at MVP levels before, you know, even if it was for only a half of a season in 2019. So we've seen, you know, the highlights, but we've also seen Stafford be inconsistent. And same thing with Carson Wentz. So I, I do think that they're going to try to work it with Wentz. And ultimately, you know, this could be a, a scenario where they trade Wentz to a team that gets a quarterback injury. You know, mm-hmm. now, okay, now they have a need. Okay, now we can off, we can get more back from Carson Wentz. And I think that they really want to see him you know, win the job. Like, okay, hey, we have a new coach, new offensive coordinator. Like, you guys are going head-to-head. You know, beat out Hurts. You know, kind of get that mantra back as opposed to, oh, you're just a starter. Like, this is your mm-hmm. job. Like, make him earn it and kind of, you know, pretend like he's a rookie again. It's like, hey, beat out all these guys and become, <laughs> become the guy again. So I think it's going to be a challenge for Wentz for sure, but I think we see a quarterback competition ultimately. Now, I got to tell you, man, I I hope that's not the case. I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair to the fan base. I think you just got to pull the bandaid off and it's not (laughs) fair to Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz has been through the mill there. I I just think a a fresh start for everybody is just a good idea. Now, speaking of Stafford, who you just brought up too, let's touch on him and where he might end up too. I mean, Denver certainly would be a great spot for Matthew Stafford. I imagine the Patriots are going to be in on this as well. Bill Belichick's not getting any younger. That defense is still good. I mean, and does Matthew Stafford potentially bring a Kenny Galladay with him? to a team like the Patriots. It seems like Denver is certainly on the board as one of the teams too. There's been some other rumors or other ones. If you had to put money on it, where would Matthew Stafford be the best fit? Or should I say, who's the best fit with the Lions for Matthew Stafford? I do think that Washington is really interesting. It was a landing spot for Stafford. Terry McLaurin is there. They need another wide receiver. So again, we talked about bringing in a Marvin Jones, bringing in a Kenny Galladay. That fits perfectly for what Washington needs. They need someone across the field from Terry McLaurin. So whichever, you know, Lions receiver decides to come along with Stafford, they will immediately be entrenched into that offense as the number two or, you know, Kenny Galladay's case, it'd be the kind of 1A, 1B situation with Terry McLaurin. And I think Stafford kind of has that type of, hey, come play with me in Washington. Like, let's get out of Detroit. Like this team, mm-hmm. Washington football team, no name, but all about, you know, coming away with the wins, playing defense. Their defense right. is good there. He's never played with a good defense ever. Nope. Like, so so and they have a good culture there. They built it up um, from last year with the, with the old, new coaches and Ron Rivera. So I think that Washington would be a great fit. And they made the playoffs last year. Again, they play in a wide open division where there's a lot of question marks across mm-hmm. the board. And so I think Stafford could potentially uh, light it up there. All right, let's talk about Aaron Jones, who's going to be a free agent pretty soon, too. Uh, I think we saw enough out of A.J. Dillon towards the end of the season and in the playoffs to think that A.J. Dillon has a chance to be the running back in Green Bay next year. And it would just seem like they're going to move on from Aaron Jones just from a cap standpoint. It seems to make sense. Where would you drop Aaron Jones? Uh, Because this is a guy that's two years in a row now finishing the top 10 in terms of fantasy running backs. He's proven he can catch the ball. He's proven he can handle the RB1 workload. He doesn't have as many miles on him as a guy like, let's say, Leonard Fournette. So in your opinion, where does Aaron Jones end up? For me, if we're going to do this Seattle run, run, run the ball thing, at least you know, do it with the most efficient running back in the NFL. I am with Aaron you. That's Jones. my spot too. Get him to the Seattle Seahawks. Look, 
We've been trying to free Aaron Jones for the past four years since the guy's been in the NFL. And I just did a, 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 a quick look at touches from the 2017 running back class. And Aaron Jones is basically just barely edging out Jamal Williams over the past four seasons. Jamal Williams has like 650 touches. Aaron Jones is right around 800. So he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. He can handle, I, I would say he has at least two more elite seasons in him just based on his workload. Even Alvin Kamara has over a thousand touches so far from the 2017 draft class, which is the most out of any of those guys. So I think Aaron Jones has a chance to really beat. If they give him 250 plus carries, you know, now 50, 60 receptions, like that's elite usage, which we still haven't never seen from Aaron Jones. And hey, look, if Seattle's going to do this run thing, at least give us Aaron Jones. If you're going to take away Russell Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, at least give right. us Aaron Jones. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Seattle's the spot too. And, you know, he's shown you he can be efficient. He's made the most of these opportunities. And and look, look how good he, and productive he's been with limited opportunities these last two years. It's kind of stunning. And you can make arguments, well, he had some injuries at the running back position, and that's why Aaron Jones there. But he was RB2 two years ago in PPR. He's a top 10 guy this year too. Missed some time, obviously, as well. But uh, to me, it's it's Aaron Jones. Now, what about A.J. Dillon, too? Let's flip that script back. Do you think what I'm saying is kind of a hot take, or do you think A.J. Dillon's going to be the guy going forward, or will they bring somebody else into that backfield? Well, Jamal Williams is also a free agent as well. So right. yeah. he could potentially sign somewhere else. And Jamal Williams is kind of like an underrated guy. He's gotten a lot better since entering the NFL. I just mentioned, you know, he's, up, he's commanded 650 touches, which is, like, not nothing. For a running back, and he's obviously been able to be used in the passing game. He's been in a feature role at times, and Aaron Jones has missed time. So I could see a team just kind of sneaking in and be like, hey, we're going to sign Jamal Williams to like a two-year, $8 million deal, and we have our RB2 slot like all locked up. And if the Green Bay Packers are sleeping, which sometimes they are in terms of their roster construction, they might miss out on Jamal Williams as well, leaving A.J. Dillon really as the only guy in that backfield. So, yes, I like A.J. Dillon a lot. He ranked number one in terms of missed tackle rate per rushing attempt, 31%. He's actually better than Nick Chubb last season. Wow. So he can, yeah, he breaks tackles. And that's what exactly his claim to fame is. He's a big bruising running back. You know, the it was Derrick Henry Light coming out of uh, Boston College. And I think that he's basically kind of met the expectations when he's gotten opportunities to play in that, especially in that one game against the Titans um, against the aforementioned Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also looked pretty good carrying a couple guys for about <laughs> five or six yards in that championship game real quick. You got like 10 seconds. Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. Right. I mean, that's a farce, right? I mean, come on. You can't get rid of the MVP back to back championship games, right? No. Yeah. He's staying in Green Bay. Is Jordan Love staying in Green Bay? Ah, that's the question. I think they got to keep him there because right now he doesn't have, you know, what are they going to trade him for? A second round pick? So you just draft him in the first round just to get a second round pick? <laughs> oh, classic <laughs> Packers. You know what? Let's just move on for somebody else. Who knows? Uh, there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. That's for sure. It's going to be a fascinating offseason from a fantasy perspective. And Andrew's going to be with us always to break it all down. We come back. We're going to play a little trivia here with our boy from PFF. So stick around for that Super Bowl themed. And I think you're going to like this one. So stick around more more fantasy sports today right here on Sports Creep. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. I've got another hour coming for you here. We'll do a little hot stove news with the St. Louis Cardinals. This is, they bring back their catcher. Will that happen? We'll see. I think we could have an update on that coming today too as well. But before we get to that, let's get to some fantasy trivia. Joe, what do we got today? Be careful with that stove, Mish, because it is hot right now. Woo! Be careful. Don't get too close to it. I know you got to get close to it for what you do, but still. Please. Yeah, no, it's Friday. Let's not go into the weekend with a trip to the hospital. So Tom Brady's going to another Super Bowl. I mean, what is this, like the 75th Super Bowl he's been to? I don't know. It's a lot. The question is, who's been to the second most? Now, a lot of guys have played in five, but uh, let's find out who played in six. Who is tied here? What duo for the second most Super Bowl appearances? Is it A, Steven Goskowski and Mike Lodish? Is it B, Charles Haley and John Elway? Is it C, Adam Vinatieri and Bill Romanowski? Some good names there, all of which played in a ton of Super Bowls, but only one answer is correct. So who's played in the second most? I am going to take a shot here. Uh, I know that Lodish, I have no clue, so I can't say A. Uh, Just deducing here, I know that Charles Haley played in four. Elway also played in four, if I'm not mistaken, but... Uh, Vinatieri, I think, played in five, and Romanowski played in four. So I'm going to say C. Well, you should have stuck with A. It was A. It was the first one. Mike Lodish played for four in a row with the Buffalo Bills and then played two more with John Elway's Denver Broncos. A lot of people forget Mike Lodish, another great player on those Bills teams, and Goskowski had a great run. Didn't win as many. (laughs) <laughs> as maybe right. he would have hoped, but he was involved in many a run there with the New England Patriots once Vinatieri left. He played in a ton. So both of those guys have played in six Super Bowls. So incredible nonetheless, but uh, it was. It was a kicker. Can you believe it? A kicker. Tom Brady brought a kicker with him six times to the Super Bowl. That's pretty impre- impressive, I would say. Yep, yeah, and Vinatieri, one of probably two kickers right now that I see as, as a chance in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think Vinatieri yeah. will get in on the first try he should but uh justin tucker i think has to be considered with the career he's had too. all right hour two's next stay on the grid reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 